be an option for each of us to preach on. <clears throat> one of them was John 12, 1 to 8, and it's the story of Mary of Bethany. And we're going to start just by going ahead and reading the, those scriptures. Again, that's John 12, 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, we know from the passage here that the dinner was located in Bethany, which was the hometown of Lazarus. We know that Lazarus was there, the man Jesus raised from the dead. It's not real clear whose house this was, but we know that Lazarus was at the table, and dinner was most likely as a result of Lazarus' recent resurrection from the dead. Jesus is, of course, the most prominent person in the room. Probably the disciples and several others were there. We know it included Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Though Martha served, just like in Luke 10, the previous story, where she was at another dinner and Martha was busy serving. She was busy with all the preparations and all the things she had to take care of. Mary is apparently nearby, but she's not serving. So let's go real quick to Luke 10, that story of that earlier dinner. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. So we know here now in the new story, the story we're looking at today in John, that Martha has apparently learned not to question Mary's actions or motives. Jesus gave her a lot to think about last time, and it all pointed back to Martha. She's learned from watching Mary's first love devotion to Jesus. We don't fully know what's happened in Martha's heart, but this time she says nothing. And now since this message is about Mary, let's go on a journey together to discover more about Mary. First of all, Mary was a pretty common name in the Bible. Uh, It comes from the name Miriam, and it means bitter. There's several uh, Marys mentioned throughout the New Testament. Of course, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary Magdalene from the town of Magdala, whom Jesus delivered from seven demons. There's Mary, the wife of Clopas, 
Tradition holds that she was Mary's mother's sister-in-law. She was also the other Mary at the tomb with Mary Magdalene. There's Mary, the mother of Mark in Acts. This Mary was another one of the women who supported Jesus by supplying a place to meet before the resurrection and after the resurrection. But here, this is Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. Now, Mary of Bethany is notable in Scripture for spending time with Jesus, lingering long with him, forgetting all else. In this passage in John, we see two things about Mary. We see her sacrifice and her willingness and desire to be close to Jesus. Now, what led up to this event for Mary? Lazarus' death and resurrection. The reason I say that, it's described in the previous chapter. Lazarus is mentioned several times in this passage and is an integral part of the context. Is Mary's act of devotion here related to Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead when she thought he had let her down? By not coming soon enough to keep her brother from dying? Can you imagine watching your brother become deathly ill and in a matter of days die right before your eyes? Knowing that the miracle worker, who was a very good friend of your brother, was it never even showed up. The depth of disappointment, the loss, the disillusion with Jesus, and the lost opportunity over which you had no control. He never showed, and it all could have been avoided. Jesus let you down. You sent an urgent message to him, come quickly, my brother is sick. He's going to die. He'd healed many thousands before. Surely he would come quickly and immediately heal Lazarus. But he didn't. And right before your eyes, your brother slipped away. He didn't care enough to even show up. The loss of her brother was her lowest moment. One commentary puts Jesus about 30 miles from Bethany, so a quick two days journey when he received no, uh, word about Lazarus. So Mary's comments, uh, so when Jesus arrives, Mary confronts Jesus for not keeping her brother from death. In John 11, we see when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then Jesus up and raises her brother from the dead. Now she fully understands Jesus didn't fail her at all. Nor did he blame her for her outburst when he arrived four days after Lazarus' death. The delayed answers to our prayers may only be a matter of God's timing and purpose, but they are coming. There are seasons when God allows us to struggle in our faith and trust, but this forces us to grow into a deeper revelation and appreciation for who he really is. Let's go back to verse 3 again. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. Mary knows she's an outcast here. 
She's not a disciple. She's a woman and therefore a second-class citizen. She's not visible or appreciated. She's excluded. She wasn't even allowed to sit at the table. To me, this speaks of the hiddenness of God's true remnant, his true followers. But God sees them, and they're the ones who spend time with him, before him, learning his heart, learning of him, and they share in his secrets, and as you'll see, they partner with the eternal. Let's imagine the scene. Mary planned this from the first time she heard about the dinner. She secretly brought the anointing oil with her to the house that day, hidden under her outer garment. The place buzzed with activity and preparations. Martha, her sister, had spent days preparing savory dishes to perfection. The smells of the different foods filled the air, making everyone's mouths water. But Mary's heart wasn't in the food. She was too nervous and excited to think about eating. She held the jar of perfume and waited in the wings, in the kitchen area, where women were relegated so as not to be visible. She listened as the guests arrived and greeted each other. The place was lit with anticipation and joy. She recognized the voices of those she knew, John, Peter, Matthew, and others. Then she heard Jesus' voice, and her heart leapt. He's here. She flashed back to the moment her brother was raised from the dead and relived each and every second of that incredible day. It was a wondrous and mind-blowing day. From the deepest sorrow, she found herself catapulted to the greatest experience of her life. She lost her brother, prepared his body, wrapped him lovingly in grave clothes, and placed him in the tomb. The final blow, as she watched the stone, rolled over the entrance. Why, Jesus, why, she muttered. Where were you? But he did arrive. And without warning, everything was turned upside down. Her entire paradigm shifted. Now, back at this dinner for Jesus, after Lazarus' resurrection from the dead, her heart filled again with deep love and gratitude for Jesus. She waited what seemed like an eternity for everyone to sit, relax, and eat. When Lazarus stepped away from the table for a moment, she pummeled him with questions. How many are here? Where is Jesus sitting? Is anyone else coming? Have you started eating yet? Quiet finally descended over the house as they started to eat. She knew her moment had come. She nervously stepped into the room and froze. Forty or so men reclined comfortably on the floor on colorful, traditional pillows around a large wooden table which overflowed with bowls and platters of hot, steaming food. Everyone was busy, reaching for the food and relishing each bite. No one noticed her. She was so quiet. She whispered to herself, I want to do this no matter what. Go. 
she spotted Jesus, and her feet began to move under her, and she daringly crossed the room to Jesus and knelt at his feet. Now, heads turned. They stopped eating and talking, and every eye in the room fixed on her. Jesus turned to look at her, and their eyes met. A gentle calm came over her. She pulled the lid off the jar, leaned in towards Jesus, reached for his feet, and began to pour the perfume. Let's go to verse 3, just the first part again. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. This was huge and lavish. This was worth a year's wages. It's very costly. It's an extremely rare perfume from a foreign land in northern India or up near the Himalayas. Was this the nard she planned to use for Lazarus? In Jewish culture, they returned to the body multiple times to anoint it with fragrant oils to prevent the smell as it decayed. They continued this until only bones were left, at which point they took the bones away in a box placing them permanently elsewhere. This meant returning to the body many times to anoint it with oil. Essence here means genuine, pure. It's from the word meaning trustworthy. And that word is translated faith all over the New Testament. Expensive, great price, Great value, incredibly costly, very precious, high honor, and worthiness. This was genuine and costly oil, which was fitting for a king, the king. And nard is usually associated with kings throughout the New Testament. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Anointed means anointing. It's not washing. This was different from washing feet and would not be mistaken for foot washing. It means to anoint festively, in homage, medicinally, or in anointing the dead, to pour out or to shed. She completely poured it all out on the feet of Jesus. The word Christ means anointed one. This was part of his title as Christ. He was anointed for death. Did Mary know Jesus was about to die? We see Judas didn't know. Though he was a disciple, he'd been with him for over three years, in close proximity to him, traveling with him, seeing all the miracles, the truth, the revelation, and the love. Jesus fully accepted this from Mary, despite all the demands of cultural norms. He was not restricted by these. Jesus was not in bondage to the fear of man or man's expectations in any part of him. And neither are we as we behold him. Wiping his feet, wiping his feet with her hair. Wiping in Greek means Wiped thoroughly. So Mary completely dried his feet with her hair. As a result, Mary's hair and hands would be filled with the oil and would have kept its fragrance. 
This is very intimate to touch feet in Jewish culture. She was so close and so intimate in a culture where expressions between the sexes was very restricted. Add to that, she used her hair. She let her hair down, something only her husband should see. And why her hair? Why don't a, why not a towel? She probably planned to use a towel. But she lost herself in the moment. When we're truly with him, we lose ourselves in the moment. All our plans go out the window. Yet we are never more completely present. This is a very tender and vulnerable moment. Mary's intense feelings for Jesus are on display for everyone in the room, and now for us. But she doesn't give any thought to that. She's way beyond that now. Everything and everyone else fades into the background. Her single focus is pouring out this fitting sacrifice in deep love and appreciation for the most wonderful, true, faithful, life-giving, and loving man she has ever met. Now back in the scene. Heavy ointment, the heavy ointment falls quickly from the jar over one foot and then the other until they are drenched. As the perfume touches his feet, her emotions well up within her. Mary is also pouring out her love, her gratitude, her adoration, her worship, deep tenderness, repentance for doubting him, and costly sacrifice to Jesus. He is far, far greater than she ever imagined. He is her Messiah, the lover of her soul, the one who will lay down his life as a sacrificial lamb. He is the fulfillment of thousands of years of Jewish prophecy, the very center of the Father's singular plan to restore us to fellowship with him. Jesus is the Savior, the Bridegroom, the King, our friend, the Light, and her Beloved. Then she grasps her long hair in her hands and uses the strands to wipe the copious liquid from one foot and then the other until his feet are dry. The dinner guests are aghast but say nothing. They stare in unbelief. Now Mary lingers and stays in the moment. She remains still, gazing at his precious feet. She's not ready yet to look back up at the face of her friend. She remains bowed in honor. This is part of our devotion to him. We see two things here, Mary's sacrifice and her intimacy with Jesus. In this, Mary is overwhelmed. She's open, she's vulnerable, she's honest and broken. Think of a time in your life when you were face-to-face with Jesus. You had nothing to offer him except your worship and love for him. You couldn't speak. You felt his presence so thick. You accessed emotions you didn't know you had. This is when we get beyond head knowledge, beyond the practice of our faith, to the heart of the matter. Hmm. 
what did this do for Mary? All right, she was healed. She was emptied and yet fulfilled. Restored in deeper connection to Jesus. Her heart at peace. Remember, Mary spoke no words. Devotion doesn't require words. Our actions will always reveal our true desires. Mary pressed in until she took hold of God himself. She knew Jesus would accept her in this. She knew he identified with her, the excluded, and accepted her love and sacrifice. She gave her heart away to him. It is scandalous what she is doing here, except that it's Jesus she's giving herself to. Not another man, but Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. Judas doesn't recognize who Jesus is, really, but Mary does. For the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro over the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is fully devoted to him. And Jesus knew Mary needed this. He knows it's healthy for us and freeing for us to give ourselves to him, release our sacrifice, to abandon ourselves in the moment, lose our self-consciousness, and focus only on him. Mary's willingness to sacrifice something of extreme personal value, to be honest and vulnerable with Jesus, brings them even closer. And that is the desire of his heart. And the house was filled with the fragrance. The quantity was so great, almost a pound, the entire house was filled with its fragrance. Sometimes when heaven meets earth, the effect is powerful. And you know how expensive perfume is. One little dab, and it it just puts out beautiful, super long-lasting aroma and a long-lasting effect. So this must have been a very, very strong, long-lasting perfume. Again, an entire leader. It's possible Jesus carried this aroma to the cross all through the Last Supper, praying alone in the garden, the betrayal, standing before the chief priests and before Pilate, the soldiers, the mockings, the crown of thorns pressed into his head, the whippings, carrying the cross through Jerusalem as the soldiers pierced his feet, and to death. And now Mary smelled differently. She carried a new fragrance, the fragrance of the king. All in the entire house that day smelled the fragrance, and even though everyone else was at a distance, they likely carried that aroma too, but less so. Our love expressions and devotion to him affect those around us. But Mary touched Jesus. She was the closest to him. Her hair and her hands were drenched in the oil. I don't want to be an observer of other people's relationships. I want to be there, right next to him, lost in worship and gratitude, saturated in his presence. 
Mary was willing to be close to Jesus. She placed herself as close to him as she possibly could. She's very intimate with him. This leaves a long-lasting effect on her. And do you know our love and worship and sacrifices minister to his heart? He looks for those who will love him with abandon, full-on, in truth, recognizing who he really is. Come away with me for a while. The world with its non-stop demands can be put on hold. Most people put me on hold, rationalizing that someday they will find time to focus on me. But the longer people push me into the background of their lives, the harder it is for them to find me. I have called you to to follow me on a solitary path making time with me your highest priority and deepest joy. It is a pathway largely unappreciated and often despised. However, you have chosen the better thing, which will never be taken away from you. Verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Now, what's going on here? Let's unpack this a little bit. Judas spewed shame on her immediately. He is swift to dishonor and disdain this momentous act. Who does this resemble? The Pharisees with predictable illegalism. This is what I would call a pharisaical spirit. This kind of spirit will never allow you to be vulnerable or honest before God. This kind of spirit masks many things. It uses offense and false piety as a cover-up for greed, unbelief, or the fact that there is no relationship with God. And I believe there are times in my life when I have uh, aligned with this spirit. Maybe not, I didn't hurl insults, but maybe in my heart with judgment or out of legalism. But God is the only one that knows the heart of man. And this can be subtle, too. It can worm its way into our lives and hearts. I want to learn tenderness and acceptance and love in every situation especially those situations that I'm either not spiritually mature enough to understand or I've never been broken enough or have never approached that kind of sacrifice to fully comprehend what's going on. The primary tool of this spirit is shame, but there's no shame in Jesus. He gives us full, rich, complete acceptance validation, and honor. Period. Maybe Mary cringed when Judas spoke up, but we know Jesus' response. He confronts it head on. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And in the Greek, this is a command from Jesus. It's not a suggestion. Leave her alone. Mary is, taking, Mary is always taking heat for putting Jesus first. For Martha in Luke 10 
and now hear from Judas. But each time Jesus stands up for her, telling them not to question her priorities, she has them straight. Now, uh, when Jesus says she did this in preparation for my burial, in the Greek it's she kept it for the day of my burial, or in reserve. She was holding, keeping, saving this precious and costly oil for Jesus' embalming. Yet she poured it on him prior to his death. She clearly knew Jesus was to imminently die. She had listened to him. She spent time with him and hanging out. During these times, she remembered what he told her about his death and burial. Perhaps she also knew by her spiritual ears and listening heart that he would rise again. But the thing is, she poured it out on him prior to his death. She poured it all out. She didn't save any for later, thinking, well, I'll use some now. After he dies, I'll use the rest on his body. She poured it all out today before he died, perhaps because he was still with them. She wanted him to receive and experience her love and sacrifice. She loved Jesus, and she gave it all. By his response, we see he understood exactly what she was doing and why. She saved the oil for the day of his death, yet she was pouring it on him because he was still with them, just as he said. Remember, Jesus was fully man and fully God. Mary acknowledged Jesus was soon to suffer and die. As a man, I am sure this ministered to his aching heart. He suffered alone in many things, except for the few who somehow understood and brought comfort to him. I also think Mary experienced Jesus' death and resurrection in a completely different way than anyone else. And we also see in verse 7 how Jesus fully validates our human emotions, all that Mary was feeling and expressing. And I love this about him. We're cherished. We're fully seen. We're fully known and understood. He lifts me up out of my shame. Fear, self-hate, doubt, and failure to a place of high value, honor, esteem, destiny, and purpose. Mary performed a prophetic act preparing Jesus for the most significant event of human history. In this, she partnered with God's eternal plan of redemption for all mankind. Wow. And Jesus wants relationship with us. Relationship involves expression and devotion and sacrifice. He wants relationship in all of its facets, nothing held back. He wants us to love him with all our hearts, our minds, and our wills. Do we get to these moments in our lives and cut them short out of caution or fear? Are we more comfortable giving to the poor? We have to press through the opposition and resistance and into his presence. Mary had to press past the thoughts of those in her room, in the room, and her own fears and self-consciousness to get close to Jesus. We don't like losing control of ourselves or our emotions, but these are the moments when we really experience him. We're open to him. 
We come to the end of ourselves, and yet we are never more completely present. We really meet him. We really do something of significance that touches his heart and changes ours. We become our true selves, genuine and authentic. And Jesus never interrupted Mary or turned back around to continue eating or talking. Jesus was always very, very approachable. So much so, children wanted to be close to him. He gave her all the time in the world and all his focus. Jesus never gets tired of our fellowship with him. We're the ones who get tired, and we're the ones who move on more quickly than he's ready to. But Mary didn't get up and suddenly uh, leave out of embarrassment. She didn't change her mind. She stayed there before Jesus. In these moments, sometimes we have to persist past the temporary and into the eternal mindset we were born for and linger in that place, communing with him like Mary. Let's be like Mary. Let's be honest and vulnerable before him. Step out. Let's not hide behind our comfort zone, family, activities, serving, ministry, obligations, work, leisure, sleep, or boredom. Some of those are important, and they can be a part of our lives of devotion. But they should never replace our time together with Jesus. And remember, we should never discount ourselves for being hidden or in the background or for being unknown. It is one thing that qualifies God's true lovers. It is the state of our love for him. And Mary was very brave. Had she held back out of cultural norms for women... Fear of embarrassment, fear of being ridiculed or being thrown out, she would have completely lost out on this extraordinarily significant event in her life. The whole dinner may never have been recorded in scripture except for Mary's act of love and sacrifice and extravagant abandon. There is something about that hungry heart that Jesus loves. There's something about the cry that comes from deep inside us that God loves. It's the cry of David that says, my heart and my flesh long for you. It's the cry of Simon Peter that says, Lord, where else can I go? You have the words of life. Can you see the large room filled with guests reclined around the table? Jesus is there. Where do you see yourself in the room? Are you Martha in the kitchen, serving? Are you seated three, feet, three people away from Jesus? Are you content and comfortable there? Where do you want to be? Is it Jesus you're after, or simply the friendship of the other guests? Remember two things about Mary here. Her sacrifice and intimacy with Jesus. Just like Mary brought something very precious to Jesus, you too can do this. Can you see yourself surrendering to him your most precious possession? Sometimes the things we protect the most is our heart, in that there are things that have wounded us or caused us pain. So releasing our pain to trust 
is our sacrifice? Is it the child you grieve or worry over? A sick parent? A heartache of the past? Painful memories of betrayal? Failures? Regrets? Is it your job? Your bank account? Sickness? Loss of youth? Fear of the future? Family? Spouse? Ministry? Image? Being single? Or is it simply wanting to stay in your comfort zone? Or like Mary once felt, do you feel that God has failed you? Can you release this to him, spill it over his feet in an act of true worship for who he is? Can you pour your heart out to him and let it go in total trust for who he is? What's standing between you and Jesus? What's keeping you from pressing through the crowd and the naysayers to get to him? Sometimes we have to press through the opposition and resistance we feel from friends and family or even in our own hearts to get to him, to a place of sacrifice and intimacy with him. Let's pray. Lord, your presence is here to speak to us and to call to us, to woo our hearts, to desire you, to be near you. Help us to hear you, Lord, again in the secret places of our hearts and to respond to you, not in our own striving, but simply by responding to you. Help us to lay our sacrifice down, to be willing to be honest and intimate with you. As we walk away, may we carry the fragrance of the King. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Yeah. We need to respond. We need to respond to that.